You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, the Daily Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. This morning, I want to look at a, a well-known player in the Easter story. Now, we all know the Easter story. Uh, if you've been around the church very long, and maybe you grew up in the church, you've heard the Easter story hundreds of times, many, many times throughout the years. So there's one particular guy that I want to talk to you about this morning that is a a major player in the Easter story. It's a guy by the name of Peter. Now, many of us this morning in this place can relate with Peter. We read a lot about his connection with Jesus. Oftentimes you read through the Bible, it, it shows that Jesus was very fond of Peter. In fact, Peter was with Jesus quite often, and Jesus would call his name out first when he was listing the disciples, those that were with him. It was Peter, James, and John. How many of you know that if you're going to list a group of things, the first thing or one of the first things that you list is probably your favorites? My wife tries to trick me every once in a while. I know, believe it or not, we have a really hard time making decisions when it comes to restaurants. So she'll say something to me, well, what sounds good to you? Knowing full well that if something sounds good to me, that's going to be one of the first things that I announce or or state. Yes? Because why? That's a favorite. That's what I'm craving. That's what I'm longing to to grab a hold of. So that's kind of what's happening in Jesus' life. Oftentimes he says, Peter, James, and John were with Jesus. Jesus loved hanging out with Peter. In fact, Peter is the one that Jesus said is a rock. And we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. But in this moment, during the Easter story, we we see Jesus having a conversation with the disciples. Peter begins to make a very bold statement. And we're going to talk about what that statement is in just a moment. But soon following that statement, it seems that the bottom falls out of all of Peter's plans. It's as if in that moment, Peter loses track of who he really is in Christ. For some reason or another, Peter finds himself lost. Have you ever felt like that before? You make statements like this to God. Well, God, this time around, it's going to be different. This time around, I'm going all the way with you. This time around, God, even if everyone else in my circle of influence stumbles and everyone else turns away from you, God, this time is going to be different in my life. Have you ever made statements like that before? God, I'm not going to mess up in this situation again. God, I know that I've done it hundreds of times. I know that I've stumbled hundreds of times. But God, this time is going to be different. And then all of a sudden, wham! It's as if you fall off the edge of the cliff. You don't really understand yourself at all. You really don't even know who you are. Because you thought for sure that this time was going to be difference. That's what I want to look at today. See, I believe that as we process through this man by the name of Peter, this 
this rock that we will have the opportunity to discover or even rediscover who we are in Christ. Now remember, you don't have to stay lost. Jesus gave you a way to be found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You don't have to stay in this perpetual game of lost and found any longer. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, don't forget that you Gentiles, now let me back up. What in the world is a Gentile? If you're not a Jew, guess what? You're a Gentile. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're a Gentile. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I once was lost. I once was an outsider. I once had no way of connecting to Christ. But because of the price that he paid for me, because of the sacrifice that he took on the cross of Calvary for you and for me, I don't have to stay lost anymore. You were once a Gentile. You were once separated. But praise God, he made a way for you. But now you have been brought near to him. Do you remember growing up and watching Sesame Street? One of my favorite moments in Sesame Street is when Grover had to stop and think what his name was. When Grover would do near, and then he would do what? Far. Now, That's kind of what was happening in our life. There was a moment when we were far from Him. That there was no mode or no opportunity or no chance of a connection. But the price that Jesus paid brought us from this far standing to a near standing with Christ. Because of the price He paid, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was once an outsider with no hope, without a productive future, but then something happened. Maybe you feel like an outsider today. Maybe you feel unsure of who you are. You feel lost. Today I want to I want to encourage you to listen very carefully. Because God wants to lead you to a place of discovery in him. You see, Peter went through this moment of being lost. But by the grace of God, we're going to see by the end of our story today that Jesus brought him back to that place of discovery. There's no need to stay lost. Jesus has given you a way out. So this morning, very quickly, three observations of a lost connection. Are you ready for them today? Number one, relying on self will lead to a downfall every time. Have you you realized that in life? Anybody ever try to rely upon self? 
Maybe you're doing that right now and you're like, oh, pastor, I'm going to do okay. It's going to be all right. I'm going to rely upon myself. Let me just tell you, relying on self will lead to a downfall every time. Take it to the bank. I guarantee it. Maybe you had one of those moments you were feeling so confident about yourself. You knew for certain that this time you were right. Just to find out that you were completely wrong. That's sort of what was happening in Peter's life. Jesus has just had a conversation with the disciples. He says, guys, here's the deal. One of you is going to deny that you even know me. One of you, of my faithful 11 remaining, one of you is going to deny that you even know who I am. Peter, in that moment, begins to jump on the defense mode. He says, I will never desert you. Even if all these other yahoos Even if for some reason or another they deny you. Jesus, you can believe me today. I will never, never read my lips, never deny you. Mark 14 says this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night. This night, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny Three times, not once, not twice, Peter, but three times. You will will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, big words, sorry, even if I have to die for you, hmm, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Even if everyone else abandons you, I never will. I am willing to go to the point of death. You can believe in me. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to deny you. I'm confident of that. All the way to death. But the problem was Peter was depending on his own Ability. Now, let's jump back several chapters. Another conversation has transpired. Peter had made a very solid declaration to Jesus. Jesus had asked the disciples who everyone was saying that he was. A variety of answers were given, but suddenly Peter and and all of who he is, and you got to love Peter. Remember, this is the guy that, that said, who is it? All the guys thought it was a ghost. You remember this story? And this, this ghost-like figure comes walking across the water. The guys are like panicking. And, and all of a sudden, Peter's like, who are you? And he's like, hey, I'm Jesus. If that's really you, tell me to walk to you. And, and Peter climbs out of the boat. And you remember Peter? Walking on the water, Peter. I mean, that's this guy. And so, so here he is. He musters up all sorts of courage and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus said something in that moment that I believe 
boosted a confidence inside of Peter. He says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now look at this. In that moment, Jesus is saying, Peter, you are a a rock. I'm going to build all of this upon you, the rock. And now he looks at Peter and says, you're going to deny me three times. What's happening here? Was Jesus setting Peter up? I don't think so. You see, we, just like Peter, we've got to understand that we have value. We're, we should have confidence. Our confidence is not found in ourselves, though. See, we can't depend, be dependent upon ourselves because the moment we begin to be dependent upon ourselves, we will surely stumble, we will surely hit that downfall in life every single time. But the moment that we begin to depend upon God, everything changes. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, Now that we are sufficient in ourselves, uh, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from, say it with me, God. We are not sufficient in ourselves. We can't do this on our own. We can't make it by ourselves. Our sufficiency must come from Christ and Christ alone. This sufficiency of Christ is summed up in this verse, Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. One translation says, I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Oh, isn't that good stuff? That'll make you slap somebody. I am sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am sufficient in and only in Christ and Christ alone. Not in my track record. Not in my ability. Not in the number of times that I've done it right. Not in the number of times that I've done this or that I've done that. Not in the number of times that I come to church. But I am sufficient. I am complete. I am confident in Christ, in Christ alone. I love how my fire Bible notes read about this verse. It says, we can endure and achieve all things Christ wants for us as we rely on his presence, power, and purpose. The phrase, who strengthens me, is the Greek word, pronounce it however you want, literally, who empowers me. Our ability to do what God desires and has in store for us comes not from our own ability, creativity, or spirituality, but from His enabling power. Come on, look at this. It's not found in in our ability. Well, if I could just be a little better, if I could just be a little stronger, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, Peter said, I will never deny you. Even if all these other guys, I, the rock, the original rock, 
See? The only time you clap in the service. <sighs> now I don't even know where I am. Not in our ability, no matter how creative you think you are, no matter how strong you think you are, it's not in us because we will stumble. We will fail every single time that we begin to rely upon ourselves. It'll lead us down a downward spiral, stumbling and falling every single time. But it's a daily choice. It's a daily decision to say, God, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. God, not by my ability, not by my strength, not by my know-how, not by who I am, not by where I am. But God, in you, in you alone, every single day, God, I choose you. The problem is that once compromise or one compromise when left unattended will lead to another a bit heftier. Let that sink in for a moment. You see, Peter didn't just deny Jesus once. But one led to another. Which led to another. And you're going to see in just a moment. Each time he gets a little more emphatic. He gets a little more testy. He gets a little more aggravated. But one compromise when left unattended. Even though we have a warning. And we're going to see the warning in a moment. Will lead to another a bit heftier. Look at our second observation. Not following God's plan will result in a greater struggle. Let's close in prayer right there. Isn't that the truth? Well, I'm just going to go out. I'm just going to do this. Is that God's plan? No, but it'll be okay, really. Let me know how that works out for you. Jesus and the disciples had just finished the Last Supper. They had just had this conversation, and Judas has exited the room, and and Peter has said, I'm not going to fail you, and Jesus has washed all of their feet, and they've now left. They're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're going to spend some time in prayer. But look at what transpires. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took, guess who? Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by him. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything It's possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Are you sleeping? Can't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray. 
Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Why was he talking directly to Peter, the rock? Because he knew what Peter would soon face. He says, can you just pray with me? Can you just keep watch with me just for an hour? For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Oh, how true that is. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. At this point, the crowd begins to gather around and, and arrest Jesus. Judas has arranged a signal to the guards. As he approached, he kissed Jesus, and that would be the sign that this is the one. And look what transpires next. Mark 14 says, but one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Now, this one, this disciple in question, is none other than the star of our show today, Peter. If everyone else denies you, I won't. In fact, watch this. Take a moment, let me break apart what's happening here. Jesus had just taken the disciples to pray. He leaves eight of them a little further back. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. Now, I know that's 11, and some of you like there are 12 disciples. Judas is already off doing his thing. Okay, so takes the three, Peter, James, and John, and they go a little further. And he says something to them that I think is vitally important. Hopefully you grasp a hold of it while I was reading the scripture a moment ago. He says, watch and pray. Now, why are both those important? Because first off, Jesus knew what was about to transpire. He knew what the disciples were going to do. So did they follow his command? Did they watch and pray? No, they slept and snored. I want you to understand something this morning. Prayer changes things. Maybe you're new to this church thing. Maybe you're here for the first or second or third time, and you're just trying to figure this thing out. Does this really work? Let me just let you know today. Prayer changes things. In fact, Spiritual defeats and spiritual victories are in direct proportion to our prayer life. Jesus says, watch and pray. Vitally important. But notice here I said prayer life. Not a, Lord, I pray for this food. May it be nourishment to me. Not, now I lay me down to sleep. But a real lifestyle, a a heartfelt life a prayer of dedication, of dependence upon God. Admitting that you can't do it on your own. But saying, Lord, I need you more today than I did yesterday. And God, I'm going to need you more tomorrow than I did today. In fact, God, every day, would you pour out a little bit more upon me of who you are because I can't do this by myself. Lord, I know that you say that one of us is going to deny you. I'm afraid that's going to be me. So God, give me more of you. 
Because I am sufficient only in your sufficiency. Jesus knew that Peter and the disciples needed the power that comes from prayer. Yet once again, Peter and the others began to lean upon self. Let me be honest with you and tell you that it may work for a short time. But when you hit that roadblock, when you hit that downfall, what a spiral it is. See, every single time you begin to lean upon yourself, you're going to experience a downfall. You try to do it your own way, you're going to experience a greater struggle. Look at our third observation. Ungodly company will not come to your rescue in times of distress. Ungodly company. So let me ask you, who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are you putting in your inner circle? Who are you associating with? Listen carefully today. Because ungodly company will not come to your rescue in times of distress. Peter surrounding himself with people that did not support him or Christ. See, they had just arrested Jesus. Peter had sliced off the ear and Jesus takes that ear and he puts it back on and heals the the servant's ear. How amazing that is. They take Jesus away, and remember, Jesus has said, you all are going to scatter, one of you is going to deny me, one of you is going to betray me, but what's Peter do? He says, not today, not on my watch, and he begins to follow after the crowd. He wasn't strong enough to stand by himself. So him and John, they follow close behind, and this is where our story picks up. Mark chapter 14, it says, meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the, say it with me, guards. Hold on to that. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Just a few moments ago, they were doing a Zorro moments with the what? The guards. Warming himself by the fire. Sounds strange to me. Why would he do that? In a moment of weakness, rather than rallying together with the other disciples, rather than grabbing a hold of his posse, his group, his friends, the guys that he'd hung out with for three and a half years, rather than grabbing a hold of the other guys and saying, guys, right now, let's watch and pray. I know we didn't do that a moment ago, but we need to do that now. What's he do? He finds himself warming himself by the fire, Side by side with the enemy. Sounds foolish, doesn't it? But isn't that what we do oftentimes? Well, there is that. Seems so foolish. We, We run back to the very things that moments ago we were battling. We may even have had a sword fight with them. But now we find ourselves warming ourselves by the fire right beside the enemy. That was Peter's mistake. Jesus had already warned him that this was going to happen. Yet Peter says, I can do this on my own. 
just like in our life, the enemy forces did not come to Peter's rescue. Just the opposite happened. One by one, they began to accuse him. One by one, they began to to call him out. Three times he was approached, the first two by, by servant girls, openly calling out, you must be a follower of Christ. And what's he do? No. Little girl, you're wrong. Young lady, you're wrong. I don't know who he is. Then this final time, one passage that I was reading says it was a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. Oh, snap. A relative of the guy. And he calls Peter out. He says, didn't I see you just moments ago in the olive grove? (laughs) Didn't I just see? By the way, aren't you the one that cut off my cousin's ear?" Peter gets more intense in his denial. And it says, Peter swore. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. But that wasn't the first time that the rooster crowed. Now remember, Jesus said, tonight you will deny three times before the rooster crows twice. See, after the first denial, after he had the conversation with the servant girl, and she says, aren't you one of his disciples? I think that's how she sounded. Peter said, I don't know who he is. That was the warning. You would think that in that moment, Peter would go, oh, that's the moment Jesus was talking about. It is still tonight. There's one rooster crow. I can't do this two more times. But what's he do? Come on, folks, it's belly up. Nope, I don't know who he is. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't even know the guy. Cock-a-doodle-doo. The rooster crowed twice. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. I would say this to you this morning. Beware of what you surround yourself with. Oh, well, I will, den- I will never deny Christ. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you hanging out with the enemy? Are you warming yourself around the fire amongst the enemy? Because I, I want to share this with you, and Andy, if you'll come, or whoever's coming. I've got a promise for you. When we return to God, He is always faithful to accept us back. A curse on me 
Could you imagine in that moment the separation that Peter felt from Jesus? The guy that was so close to him, he was the first one that Jesus would call. Peter, James, and John were with me. Guys, I'm going to pray. You guys stay here. But I want Peter, James, and John with me. Now in this moment, he says, I don't even know the guy. In fact, a curse on me if I'm lying. Separation. Can't imagine how lost in that moment that Peter must have felt. We must understand. We must understand that not only is God faithful, not only is He faithful to accept us back in those moments, but He loves us and He chose us first. Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. Here's what I understand. Jesus loves you. Even if everyone else denies him, I never will stumble. Even if everyone else turns their back, I never will. Jesus took a moment a little later, I don't have time to tell the whole story, to after his resurrection rekindle that relationship with Peter, the rock. He looked at Peter three times and says, do you love me? Do you really, really love me? See, if we will take that moment and walk out of the arena of lost and into the zone of found, Jesus will take us back. Look at this scripture. Even before he made the world, we talked a lot about that on Sunday nights recently as we look into the book of Genesis. Even before he created the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Pastor, I am certainly not without faults. Well, that's why you need Ephesians chapter 1. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You see, in your own attempt, you will never be right. In your own attempt, you will never be holy. Because just like Peter, you can have the best intentions of them all. But when you lean upon yourself, it's a downward spiral. But God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Some translations use the word redemption. It's not a word that we use often. It's a, a slave trade term. You see, in slave trade times, people would intentionally buy a slave in order to set them free. To be redeemed is to be purchased with the purpose of being set free. The individuals that purchased the slave would be called a a redeemer. They would redeem the slave. And that's what Jesus did for us. 
Christ came to redeem you. To set you free from all the things that have got you hung up. All the struggles that have got you entrapped. All the habits, all the hurts, all the hang-ups, all the things that you keep doing in your life that are mess-ups. Anybody else ever mess up? Any of you on the way to church, don't, don't raise your hand. He says, I want to set you free. I want to give you a new life, a new freedom. You see, Jesus made the first choice for you. The next choice, the next step, it's ours. Will we accept or reject? Here's what I love. Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Maybe you find yourself lost this morning. Maybe you find yourself in that place where you feel so separated from God. I would venture to say that's where Peter found himself after the denial. I would venture to say the moment he heard that rooster crow the second time, a separation was felt in his life. He thought, how can I do this? I told him just a little while ago, I I wouldn't do that. I told him I was willing to die for him. Now it's a curse upon me if I'm lying. Later, after the resurrection, we see Jesus look at Peter and he says, man, do you love me? I mean, do you really love me? And Jesus took the time to rekindle that relationship. And I will say to you this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what your life looks like, but I know who Jesus is. And he's already paid the price for you. Are you ready to go from lost to found? Would you bow your heads with me today?